Welcome to Sunshine State Takes, everybody. This is Matt McConnell alongside Brandon Carroll. We had a very eventful NFL draft this past weekend. Lots of lots of shocking picks. Some teams got significantly better. Other teams reached. Uh, per usual, story never changes. We're going to cover everything. Also, unfortunately, not going to be on YouTube for this episode. We have been having some difficulties with Premiere Pro. So you will only be able to hear this episode on Spotify, which, you know, up until last month, that was, you know, really the only service we had anyway. So it's not anything new, but uh, it's, it's just we're a little disappointed that we haven't been able to get YouTube figured out. We're trying our best, but uh, hopefully you guys can stick with us and settle for the Spotify Apple podcast, hopefully for maybe just a couple more weeks at most while we get this figured out. But we're still committed to breaking down the draft and providing the best analysis and content that we can, because that's our number one goal here at Sunshine State Takes, the hottest takes in the Sunshine State. Uh, so Brandon, before we kind of roll into the intro music, you have any opening thoughts? How are you doing as a whole? You got your finals week finished up last week. Anything you want to touch on with that before we dive into the draft? Uh, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously finals week, I was able to grind that out. I was able to, you know, finish it pretty strong. Uh, throughout the rest of the semester I, I I needed on my last final a 49 out of 50 which was always a reach to be able to get right. a for the class but I ended up getting a 47 out of 50 so I didn't reach my goal however I did ball out still yeah. um, only missing three questions on my final so that was really big for me I was able to finish uh, relatively uh, with only one B a B plus and then you know a few A's so I, right. I'm feeling good I'm feeling you know, like my first uh, semester, semester at Florida was one that I acclimated uh, well to. I was able to yeah, right. push through and kind of figure everything out on the fly as I went from a community college where I really, literally I could do work one day a week to, you know, university where I had to do something every single right. day to be able to make sure that I was on top of it. So it was an interesting first semester. Glad it's over. Glad I can get a little break now. And, you know, it, it's uh, I'm excited to be talking about the draft because What's more exciting than new players going, you know, to, to their new homes? It, it's, a, it's a fun time of NFL, and we're right in the mix of it. Yeah, 47 out of 50. That's a, that's a clutch fourth quarter performance uh, right there from I'm Brandon saying. Carroll. Yes, With sir. all the odds yes, stacked sir. against him, he pulled through. Uh, great stuff. Great to hear. Yeah, it's summertime, so, uh, you know, it's time to chillax and enjoy this gap with no school. I have to take a summer class, so I will be doing uh, some school, but, you know. Still going to make the most of this summer, have a good time. Uh, looking forward to July 19th. Yeah, yes, sir. Just, just July 19th, right? That's the motto. July, July 19th, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, we'll, it'll be here soon enough. But uh, anyways, I think we can roll into it and get this analysis underway. Absolutely. You guys stay tuned for NFL Draft Talk and a word from our, maybe not so longer, not, not much long sponsors. So, yeah. Yeah. Just forget the wins, it's the best to use. 
Welcome back to Sunshine State Takes. My name is Brandon Carroll alongside Matt McConnell. And before the break, we kind of hinted at one of our sponsors no longer being a part of the program. However, we're just kind of trying to judge that out as things go along. Um, Matt, what, what is going on with our boy and Microsoft? I mean, we've just had an incredible last few days. And I, I don't want to say incredible. It's been a somber last few days as our boy Bill is kind of – our boy Bill Gates, he's not having a great uh, 48 hours. Yeah, uh, rest in peace, Bill Gates. He, nothing's wrong with him. He just got a, a divorce after a 27-year marriage with his wife. Uh, they released a statement yesterday saying as they move into the next phases of their lives, they don't know if they can – they don't know if it's the best thing to stay together. And, uh, you know, you don't really wake up on a given day expecting to see Bill Gates and his wife getting a divorce. No. You know, you, I just I don't ever really think Bill Gates's marriage has crossed my mind once in my lifetime. And then I'm just scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. Yeah. There's a, there's something I wasn't expecting to see. So I texted you about it because, you know, uh, it's one of our unofficial sponsors. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> we think we're just going to we're going to bill gates some space to recover yeah, yeah. uh you know just I, I feel like that's the least we can do yeah, for our unofficial for sure. sponsor after all they've done for us the least we can do is just give him some personal space to you know maybe play some some sad music like yeah. some xxx temptation yeah. or something yeah. or whatever you to to get over himself a little bit uh bill we're, we're with you man we we know how it is i mean I haven't divorced anyone in my life, but you know, we, we can imagine it's, it's rough for you and uh, we're wishing you the best, man. Just hang in there, Bill. Yeah. Um, the good news is though, we still have our other bill. We do. He's fine. He's not a science guy is he, thriving. He's, he's thriving. aging a bit, but he's, he's good. I don't think yeah. there's been any divorce rumors floating around with him anytime recently. I think he's just, you know, chilling, doing his own thing. So we're happy on that regard to hear that Bill Nye, the science guy is thriving, but Bill Gates, uh, or we, uh, you know, we wish you the best. Yeah. So as any, as any, you know, partner does, we're, we're just willing to take a step back from our partnership, our unofficial partnership with, uh, with Bill Gates. And yeah. uh, like Matt said, give him that space because, right. uh, you know, he needs it right now. So yeah. Microsoft for the foreseeable future, as we, you know, gauge Bill Gates's health and, you know, the stock, of course, because at the end of the day, this is a business. Right. Um, we're we're going to kind of remove ourselves from being yeah. affiliated with Microsoft, even though I, it, there should be any movement of Microsoft's stock. But and, and, we just want to and, and Bill Gates, whatever happens, I just encourage you to avoid jumping off the Microsoft edge. You yes. know, like, <laughs> like do your best to yeah. resist jumping off the yeah. Microsoft edge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just, it, it's all it's all going to be good. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're going to rebound and you're going to continue yeah. to excel. All right. Yeah. <laughs> excel. <laughs> hey, dab me up, Bill. Microsoft Word, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, we're off to a good start we're today. We're so stupid. <laughs> no, who cares? Right. Who cares? It's uh, all good fun. 
All Absolutely. Good I, just like, I just have like Bill Gates listens to this. He's like, who the <laughs> heck are these kids? And like the FBI kicks our door down. <laughs> we get in trouble for uh, yeah. speaking as if we know slash are sponsored by Microsoft. Hey, uh, we, we've we've uh, said multiple times that it's an unofficial yes, sponsor. Yes. So yes. I think I think we've done our part. It's a one-sided sponsorship. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. We shout well, them out. Uh, they give we us nothing, nothing in return. <laughs> <laughs> they give us nothing. So. And we pay to use their products. Yep, we do. That's that's true. And it, Bill is kind of kind of attacking us right now, considering. Yep. There have been. Some, yeah, I think it's uh, a good thing we're cutting them out of the picture. Yeah, I, I think I, it's better for us. I agree. I, th- I think there there have been times where Bill's been a little slacking. I mean, the internet yeah. things have gone on. Matt's cut in and out a few times today, even, and it's just kind of like, Bill, what are you doing? Right. Don't you want to keep your sponsorship with us? But you know, it, it, hey, that's his decision. I mean, right. we can't we can't do anything here. So yeah, I mean, he's already made some big decisions these past few days, and yeah. uh, you know, we hope he continues to make more good ones. But uh, yeah, I think it's time to. Uh, you know, I think that's our little Bill Gates segment for the day. We just want to get that out of the way. Uh, prayers up to Bill. But uh, anyways, do you want to take what's on your mind? You want? Yeah. I no, I can, I can take it. I can, uh, you know, kind of get into everything. Obviously, this, this, this draft process was uh, all eyes were on the unexpected. All right. Yeah. They were on all right, what is this organization going to do, et cetera. However, the one team that kind of – people kind of knew where they were going. The people knew where they were going, first overall. And that's my Jacksonville Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence first overall. So, automatically, draft's a win, all right? So, like, no matter what they did throughout, draft was a win after Trevor Lawrence. But I just want to take a look at some of the, some of the guys that they were able to get following the Trevor Lawrence pick. Obviously, everyone was kind of shocked, taken back by the – 25th pick overall in Travis yeah. Etienne. However, I do think that he brings a great compliment to the backfield in Jacksonville. Obviously, you have James Robinson, who is not the uh, same in terms of speed, which is something Urban Meyer has emphasized even upon getting to Jacksonville. He hasn't even seen his, you know, they, they have not had one organiza- like practice as an organiza- organization yeah. yet. However, Urban Meyer has said multiple times that he wants to put speed onto the football field. He's done it in college at any th- you know, every level he's been at, uh, every team that he has coached, speed has been a focal point in his offense, especially his defense as well. Travis Etienne brings that speed, that home run hitting ability to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And as a result, we get to see what him and Trevor Lawrence can do as they move from Clemson to the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. It's going to be a – it's an interesting partnership because – they have that chemistry. They have that experience with each other. Can they bring that from the college ranks in which they lost two combined games with right. to Jacksonville and kind of start building this, uh, what Urban Meyer looks to be, you know, leave his legacy in Jacksonville. Does uh, Trevor and Travis, do they, this TT connection that I want to call it, does this, uh, what, what does this bring? What does this kind of, hint to in the Jacksonville offense. Obviously, you got guys like DJ Chark, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and, you know, uh, it, it, it's a interesting kind of turnover of Jaguars football because now you're looking at the offensive side of the football and you're saying, this is going to be a fun offense to watch. It's going to be exciting because you have these players filled throughout that they're either going to run over people or they're going to make big plays. And yeah. I think that because of that, it's going to be an interesting time as a Jaguar. However, 
my obviously after Travis Etienne, they they went in a in a kind of questionable direction with Tyson Campbell. I think he was probably the, my biggest reach of the entire thing. I wasn't 100% sure um, how, you know, their thought process behind it. However, he does contain the physical attributes to be uh, a, a good corner in the NFL. Uh, I think that there is a lot of versatility with him. He can also drop back and play safety if need be. Um, but it, it's, it's a kind of a potential pick rather than someone that's going to step in and play immediately. Also, you have Walker Little, um, who is often tackled out of Stanford, hasn't played much since 2018 but he's a monster yeah and and if he when he does play he is he is a stud and then my favorite pick of the entire draft is the last one I'm going to touch on Andre Cisco. he is a physical safety comes down plays towards the line of scrimmage really well his ball skills are incredible he leads the NBA in interceptions in both 2020 and 2019 he has been a focal point in that Syracuse defense obviously Syracuse got to play against the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and now he's going to be joining the ranks of the Jacksonville Jaguars to be on their team. And hopefully he can be able to bring back some of that uh, turnover-centered defensive attack that Jacksonville saw in 2017 when they were dominant in terms of being able to create turnovers and really score off those turnovers as well. Because if they weren't running it in uh, it, themselves, they were given the offense short fields to be able right. to, which is something that Urban Meyer has stressed uh, in terms of giving, uh, making it easy on the offensive attack by a solid defensive presence. Yeah, and I think Cisco is where I'll, I'll chime in because I, I think I think Lawrence and Etn kind of kind of speak for themselves. You know, obviously Lawrence uh, all off season it was pretty much confirmed, and the Jags know what they're getting in Etn. And I kind of like I, I like how Urban Meyer. I feel like by drafting two offensive players in the first round, obviously Lawrence was guaranteed, but specifically that twenty fifth pick going with offense. I think Urban Meyer kind of showed that. He actually had a bit more trust in that Jaguars defense than we may have originally thought. And so he decided to take the route of maybe, you know, picking some more underrated sleeper guys that can come in and make kind of an unexpected impact. You know, yeah, the defense is going to be a, maybe it's still a question mark, but I think the, the way Urban Meyer decided to draft it, put it in a position where it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, and Cisco's a guy I like because uh, we were talking about the Jags wanting to get Trevon Morig. Uh, we I think we both penciled that in in our mock. Or uh, is that what you had them doing in yeah, the mock draft? Yeah. yeah. So and Morg ended up falling to the Raiders. But I like you said the Jags get you know a, a pretty physical safety and good hands and a ball hawker. And um, I saw someone on Twitter tweet something like Cisco doesn't really excel in the physical aspect of the yeah. game. And then someone just replied with a video of Cisco laying dudes out. And <laughs> anytime you have a safety that can put people on their butts like that, you, yeah. you know, you're in a pretty good spot. And so yeah. I, I think they did a good job given that they passed on Morig and lost out on Morig. Yeah. I think Cisco was a very good consolation prize. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the tweet about him not being physical. It's, uh, there are big, uh, you know, he, he has made some highlight big hits over his, yeah. it's, I think the guy was talking more of a consistency aspect, which, you know, I feel like if he's coming out of Syracuse, if he's picked in what the, the third round of the sixth, right. they're going to be consistency issues. You look for the traits that you can build upon making those big hits with consistency is something he can build upon making, you know, he, he's someone, he's an instinctual ball player. He shows that in the back end with how he's able to make plays on the football. If he can start doing that towards the line of scrimmage, not just with highlight plays, but consistently in the NFL, he's almost, you know, we're, we're looking at him as 
what could be a you know a, a another piece in that band to be able to be in that rotation with Rashawn Jenkins um, or Rashawn Jenkins, and then also Jerron Wilson, Andrew Cisco uh, is is going to be the. It, it's just a interesting outlook on how a, a player that really you know is showing a weakness in his game is kind of a, you know being targeted for that one spot that it's like oh he doesn't show it with consistency so I'm going to go out and I'm going to finger point and be like oh this is what I don't like about him I, even though you know that's what that's what draft twitter that's what drafting you know you in right. season in general you look for those little picking things to say like oh they can work on this however physicality is one thing that he does not lack it's more of a consistency aspect that he's going to need to bring to the table uh, when he steps into the secondary of Jacksonville. Right. I mean, it, it'll just be interesting to see. Once again, Meyer decided to go kind of the project route for defense, I feel like. And that's yeah. fine. I mean, the Jags don't have to be a contender this year. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be a test run year if they're – heck yeah. But, you know, if, if, if they're just decent, you know, I, I think even with the draft and offseason they had, they're already set for a big improvement. Yeah. Whether that's from one win to seven or – one win to 11. I, I mean, you know, and that that's rare, but let's, let's not forget when the, when the Colts drafted that generational talent back in 2012, they made a two win or they made a jump from two wins to 11 found yeah. themselves in the playoffs. So it's not, it's not unrealistic, but that doesn't have to be the expectation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Jags fans just want to see competitiveness this year and know the Meyer Lawrence era is started off in the right direction. I mean, obviously we talk about, oh, Lawrence lost only like two games in his career and Myers barely lost. Like, look, that's going to change in the NFL, you know? The, and depending on who they have to play week one, they, they, may re, they may very well start off their era with a loss, you know? Yeah. Lawrence may have already lost as many games as he did in his whole career by week five. Yeah. We just, you know, it's, it's going to be a change and it's going to be an adjustment, but – I think nonetheless, these sleeper guys that you picked in the later rounds are going to get their playing time. They're going to get the feel for the NFL. And, you know, if it's not this year, by the time year two rolls around, I think they'll be ready to go. So I like how they made offensive picks that are ready to go now, Mm -hmm. as well as defensive guys that they can work with. And maybe if they're not ready this year, uh, they'll be good to go next year. Not to mention they made some good free agent signings on the defensive side of the ball too. So yeah. they have some veteran Undra- guys in there yeah. that can yeah. mentor some of these rookies. Yeah, they also made undrafted free agent pickup of Dylan Moses from Alabama. Oh, I saw that one. He he has struggled with a knee injury for almost two years now. Played through it last season, but just showed uh, consist- it, it lingered. However, if he's able to get back to the spot he was in in 2018, I believe, find a gym in what Dylan Moses is able to bring to the table. He's going to be someone that they're going to try to monitor. He's not going to be, you know, a, a big contributing piece this year, I don't think. Um, however, if they can get him back to full health, which is what Urban Meyer and, you know, company looks to do, Dylan Moses could be, you know, one of the steals of undrafted free agency. Yeah, and there's always one every year, right? Um, yeah. James Robinson was one last year. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, yeah, you just never know what those guys uh, – I saw a tweet where it was like ranking the NFL fans based on how much of the draft they follow. And it's like day one casuals, day two, moderate, 
day three die hard and then someone yeah. replied like what about the people who keep up with the undrafted free agent signings <laughs> and it's just like man that when the draft rolls around they go they go all out uh but yeah. anyways uh unless you have anything else you want to add about the jaguars i'm gonna get into the patriots i was gonna go with the mets today but i think we have a show lined up later this week where we can talk some baseball and uh, you know, some basketball and kind of hit on the other sports. The draft is just something we got to talk about. Yeah. So, so the Patriots draft all around, I, th- I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought they got some great value for Christian, Christian Barmore in the second round. Excellent pick. Ronnie yeah. Perkins. Yeah. I, the, the Patriots day two in general, I was just really impressed with grabbing Christian Barmore and Ronnie Perkins. I mean, I don't know if Ronnie Perkins makes it as a DN. He may have to move to outside linebacker. Uh, based just based off of some different things I've read, but I, I think they've gotten two pretty explosive. At, at least in terms of Christian Barmore, they got an elite run stuffer, and in terms of Ronnie Perkins, they got a guy who could develop into a pretty solid pass rusher. So I like what they did there. I also like the Cameron McGrone pick. I think if he put some weight on, he he can be pretty dirty in the in the NFL. He's a guy who's pretty good from sideline to sideline and one of those guys who can just make plays all over the field. Um, I think Joshua Bledsoe and William Sherman will be more of project picks. Uh, I, I do like adding some O-line depth. They did just they did just take on Isaiah Wynn's fifth-year option, but Isaiah Wynn's had some injury issues. So I think I, I like that they brought in another guy just to be safe. Uh, and, you know, with Devin McCourty getting older, uh, Josh Bledsoe is a guy who can maybe fill that role. And now they've got some pretty young safeties back there after they took Kyle Duggar last year. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. And then Trey Nixon, you know, all draft long Patriots fans were like, where's our receiver? Where's our receiver? Where's our receiver? Uh, it wasn't until the 200 overall pick that they went and got that receiver. But, you know, I, I'm a UCF guy. And when the Bills drafted Gabe Davis last year, I, I right away was like, I, I think that's a steal. I, you know, because watching Gabe Davis closely, I know about I, And Gabe Davis went on to have a pretty good season with the Bills. I just, I like UCF wide receivers in general. You know, Traquan Smith has had a pretty solid career with the Saints. And, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall was a UCF guy. They're not going to be top 10, top five receivers, but they're going to be solid number twos, number threes, you know, and, um, Trey Nixon brings great speed to the table. I don't know if he'll find himself on the roster right away. He's a guy who might get some work with the practice squad. He needs to work on his hands a little bit. But, I, I, I mean, I, in terms of a seventh-round gem, and it's not the first time the Patriots have found a wide receiver in the seventh round that went on to have a pretty storytelling career for the team. Uh, you know, there was this guy named Julian Edelman that they once drafted in the seventh round that, that turned out to be okay. He, this is this is time. You know, nothing special, but uh, obviously uh, there is one guy who I haven't touched on yet. Yeah, let's talk, about, I, let's talk about the new franchise quarterback there. Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones, right? So I just had a, I, I had a roller coaster of emotions on draft night, you know? And, um, and if, if you listen to this show, you know, you know, I, I've talked about Mac Jones multiple times and I've never really had, you know, anything great to say about him. I just kind of always felt meh, you know. I, I I felt he's a guy who's, you know, more so a product of what was around him and the situation he was in, similar to most Bama quarterbacks. You know, A.J. McCarron, Jake Coker, Blake Sims. You know, a lot of these guys put up good numbers at Bama, but they were like fifth-round picks or undrafted, and 
didn't really have much of a career in the NFL. Obviously, uh, that that Bama quarterback narrative has started to shift a bit with Jalen Hurts and uh, Tua finding some starting jobs, but we still don't really know if they're going to be successful. And if those two aren't successful, that says a lot about Bama quarterbacks. Those have been two of the Bama quarterbacks that I felt have actually brought, you know, some pretty natural God-given talent to the table. And I, I don't really know if if Matt Jones possesses that type of talent. Um, it's just, It was just interesting because the whole night I wanted Justin Fields. Looked like Fields was going to drop. You know, the, the Bears come in, they trade up, they take fields, they rip my heart out. And then, you know, kind of just hearing Mac Jones' name called for the Patriots, like, it was just disappointing. You know, after the whole night thinking you were going to get Justin Fields, you end up with Mac Jones. And I've just seen so many com- conflicting things. A lot of Patriots fans seem to have already penciled him in as Tom Brady. Uh, you know, some other Patriots fans are a bit. I'm one who's a bit more hesitant. Look, I'm not rooting. I'm not rooting for the guy to fail. You know, if he's good, heck yeah. But if he's not anything great, I'm not going to be overly shocked. I just, I don't know. I'm, I've never been sold on him. And I get it. Like if there's any place where it can work, it's new England, but, and I, I just think it needs to be done the right way. I I don't, I don't really want to see him just thrown in and start week one. Uh, I think I think he should sit on the bench for a bit. He should learn. Uh, you know, you're paying Cam Newton 14 million. I think I think I think you got to let Cam play given those circumstances. And you know, if Cam, if by the time Week Eight rolls around and Cam Newton has nine touchdowns to 16 picks or something like that, then you throw. I think you develop him. You coach him up, and then let him play. I think it could work, but from a, from a talent standpoint and production standpoint, I think he's already peaked statistically. If you take a look at the numbers he put up at Bama, you know, all those five touchdown, four touchdown games, 400 yards. I don't know if we're going to see that in the NFL from him, especially considering that he's going from Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, John Mechie to Nelson Aguilar and Kedrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers. Right. I mean, the Patriots improved their wide receiver core, but it's, it's nowhere near what he was throwing to at Bama. And obviously they, they added those two tight ends who are great players, but uh, I, I just, it's not, and I've said it before, I think Mac Jones has already played with the most talented team he's ever going to play with. Uh, and Relatively. So it, what's that? Relatively in terms of I, competition. Again, yeah. most talented yeah. team I'll ever played with is Alabama. Yeah. And plus, I mean, the defense has become tougher in the NFL and, yeah. It's a whole different game. I mean, look, so the pros with Mac Jones is he's a smart decision maker. Uh, you know, that, that's really the biggest one off the top of my head. I don't think he's really going to lose them games. And I, I really see his ceiling as, you know, like an above average game manager. I I, I mean, we, we've talked about multiple times Mac Jones was the safe pick. Do you think he could be like an Alex Smith in terms of Alex Smith being able to kind of lead the Kansas Chiefs, but just never elevate them? I could see that. Or, you know, no, maybe obviously, like, obviously Alex Smith's skill sets differently. I'm saying in general, yeah. game manager. Do you think like that's kind of his, his career ceiling of being just a consistent game manager that 
uh, is able to not lose them games, but this decision making. However, he's just not the guy that can drive them down the field and you know win a game on the last drive of the series. Or well, the, well, the thing with Mac Jones is he's coming into a situation where he has a pretty good O line and pretty good running game. Mm-hmm. Action will be there, but yeah, I mean, Alex Smith or you know maybe like a a Derek Carr, okay. uh, you know. Um, but I, I don't. And I was listening to the Tom Curran podcast the other day. He's a, you know, he's a Patriots guy for NBC sports. I think he does some good work. And um, what he was saying was the reason why a lot of young quarterbacks have been able to succeed in the NFL is because of their athleticism. You look at Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, those guys just have freak athletic traits. Right. And, you know, when you're younger, you know, you, you, don't, you still don't really know the whole game. I mean, what, what did Patrick Mahomes say that one time? He was like, yeah, I didn't even learn how to read defenses till like midway through 2019, you know? Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes was able to ball out because of his improvisational skills and, you know, just his athleticism. And Mac Jones isn't going to have that. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a struggle early on for him because when the game breaks down, obviously when the game broke down at Alabama, Mm-hmm. you could chuck it up you, you yeah. could put it in the vicinity of Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle at least for the first half of the season yeah. or or John Mechie and you know they would come down with it um it, it's it's going to be different in the NFL for Mac Jones I, I think obviously a guy like Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to go out and make an impact right away mm-hmm. um I, I think I think Zach Wilson is going to be able to go out and make an impact right away I, I think Fields uh, depending on what they do with Andy Dalton oh they, I mean, they said that Fields is there, there's no way. They're going to go with Fields? Uh, well, they didn't. He's got to start day They one. didn't technically say that, but I think there is no way that they can have someone that high. Yeah. Not start him. I mean, no, no, no. That's not how I want to say it because I think there are situations where that can happen. I've been – I'm a huge uh, guy that's like, all right, if we get this quarterback, I want to sit him, I want to develop him, and then I want to put him out on the field. Obviously, Trey Lance is one of those guys. However, yeah. I don't think the quarterback situation in Chicago is – as you don't have as much leniency because of the short term of this is I feel I still feel like the Bears are in a window of they they have a chance to be able to get to the next level with a good quarterback with good quarterback play because yeah. of the defense because of you know an Allen Robinson being there right they're not going to have that forever so Justin Fields steps in he's got to play immediately Andy Dalton's just solid backup Nick Foles is as you know another guy he's going to be able to have a lot of voices around him to learn just yeah. there's no way they don't start him in Chicago. Yeah. They don't the, now practice. The point is, I think three out of five of those QBs drafted on Thursday night can make an immediate impact. Yes. I, I think, I think Mac Jones is one of the two that. And now I, once again, I've seen conflicting things. Like people are saying Mac Jones is one of the two, like most pro ready QBs out of the draft. Um, well, once again, I, he's just a guy that I've never quite understood the hype. And we've talked about it. You know, a lot of teams needed QBs this year. Mac Jones was statistically dominant, so I feel like his name kind of got thrown in there. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a project pick. And once again, I, I wasn't thrilled with the pick, not rooting for the guy to fail. I just want it to be done right. You know, I want him to be coached up. I think, you know, with Belichick and McDaniels, there's potential for it to, to really succeed. Yeah. Um, but given the, the skill set that he brings and the direction that the NFL is going, there's also a chance that, maybe it doesn't work as well as we might think. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a project. I think he should sit. He should learn the, he should learn the game. 
what let Cam play out his contract this year. I mean, you, you can't be paying Cam Newton that much money to sit the bench. And yeah. So that, that's kind of that, – that's in – a lot of Patriots fans are over Cam Newton. I'm not. I think he's got something left in the tank. I think he's got a lot left to prove. And I, I like that the Patriots are set up not only short-term, but now with Mac Jones, there's that there's that long-term too. So you, you brought in the weapons and – and you know the the big name playmakers to help Cam Newton succeed this year, and you know given like the four year contract to Johnny Smith or Henry, two years of Nelson Aguilar, three years of Kendrick Bourne, those guys will be around for when Mac Jones starts the twenty twenty two season. So yeah. we'll see. I, I just you know after what we saw from the Patriots last year and what we've seen from this off season and this draft, there's just the. I, I feel like, and it's the same thing coming into the 2020 season. They're they're the most unpredictable team once again. Yeah. I just don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with them. But that's all I got to say. I talked a little long. Um, I've been waiting all weekend talking about Matt Jones, though. So, yeah, uh, I'm ready to move on to. Yeah. One thing before we move on, I'm just going to say it real quick. I think Mac Jones is a good um, – uh, he, he is solid for being able to go into that Patriots scheme and be developed by the guys that they have around them. Bill Jack, yeah. Josh McDaniels, they understand how to develop a, you know, primarily pocket passer, which Mac Jones is. Because of that, they're going to be able to have some, you know, tools that they are able to use with Cam Newton that they can use with Mac Jones, which will aid that Patriots offense. It, well, I wouldn't say aid, which will, which has the potential to aid the Patriots offense once Mac Jones eventually steps yeah. into the limelight of being the starting quarterback there. Yeah. And, you know, they obviously view him as – a possible Brady successor. So could that happen? Sure. Uh, is it likely? I'm not a. I'm not sold because I, I don't know. I, I don't think. Uh, that's the other thing, though. We shouldn't. That's not the expectation Patriots fans should have because the way I see it is like uh, we shouldn't view Mac Jones as the Patriots trying to recreate Tom Brady because the sequel is never as good as the original. I don't think it's necessarily them trying to recreate Tom Brady. I think it's them trying to both what they are accustomed to and then trying to maximize Mac Jones's potential to have a portion of what Brady gave to New England. Yeah, I mean – Does that make sense? No, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's just – you know, who knows? It, it's the safe pick, right? So – and it's a it's a low ceiling kind of high floor guy. So yeah. I, you know, I you could say they they settled for average or I don't know. I once again I, I think he could be an above average game manager. The the two things I like about him are he anticipates well and he's got a quick release. So I if those two things translate over to the NFL, I think he has a chance. But yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, once again, just the just the safe pick and given the disappointment of Fields, I found myself very disappointed. Uh, but, you know, after kind of taking the weekend to think about it, while I listened to some Patriots beat writer, uh, you know, a bunch of different sources and opinions, I think I have myself in a position where I feel a bit better about it. But I still want it to be done the right way, and I want to see Cam play in 2021. Yeah. I, I think that's a reasonable ask. Um, Matt, from this draft class, who are two of your winners? You don't have to go in-depth to either of them, but just overall kind of overview of each. Uh, who are two winners from this year's draft that you think really improved um, because of their, you know, selection over the three days? 
I'm going to start off with the Washington football team. Um, I thought Jamin Davis was a good first round pick for their beefing up what's already a pretty elite defense. Uh, you know, and as long as Washington can keep that defense somewhat intact, they're going to have a chance to win the NFC East again this year. I like the Samuel Cosme pick as well, add some more depth in, to that O line. And lastly, um, Deami Brown from North Carolina was a good pick. I, I've been a big fan of him. I, I'm, I've really been a big fan and an advocate for all of North Carolina's skill position players. And I, I think they're getting an athletic playmaker and Deami Brown, pair him up with Terry McLaurin and uh, Curtis Samuel, yep. uh, as well as um, uh, Logan Thomas. And they drafted another tight end, I believe. Uh, but I can't – it's not coming to me right now who they picked. But um, I, so I like – No, sorry. Never mind. They did draft a tight end, I think. I just can't yeah. think of – Yeah, no, I was looking at – that's my bad. Just keep going. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean – you beef up your defense, you you add some O-line protection for whether it's Fitzpatrick or Heineke, and you add another good wide receiver into that core. I mean, come on now. we, we Ryan Fitzpatrick working with McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson. There's a lot of dudes. That's attractive, dude. That's – I mean, that and that – we were talking about last year with Fitzpatrick in Miami, that might be one of the best teams he's had to play with yet. I think this Washington team is better. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Washington is ready to win the division with a winning record this year. I think there's a difference between this year of Miami – or, like, this time last year in Miami and this time – this year with the Washington football team in terms of Ryan Fitzpatrick being able to win the team that he has, because last year we saw the potential that Miami had. We saw the, everything that they, you know, right. table with Washington, they showed their potential last season. Now it's coming in the, you know, the studs are coming in offensively to bring, you know, even more of a, Oh wow. They, like they are really on the rise. There's a legitimate shot that Washington goes back to back. And an NFC East that rarely ever goes back to back. I don't think they've had a consecutive winner in 10, 15 years. No, you're you might you're right. I think you're right. I yeah. can't think that the Eagles been, won it in twenty seventeen, but they didn't win it in twenty eighteen. It's been very did. flippy floppy in terms of which team yeah. is the NFC East. So they could really break that streak with the with the group that they brought in. So I I do think that Washington football team not only with, you know, their free agency, but also this, uh, this, this trio of draft picks from rounds, you know, one through three really bring in a, you know, a, a lively feel to the future of the Washington football team. Oh, I, I mean, I, I think they're going to be a really good team next year. Yeah. Um, you know, they, in, if they were able to find consistency at the quarterback position last year, they would have been even better. But, you know, as good of a Smith was coming back from injury, he just wasn't overly effective. Uh, you know, Kyle Allen wasn't great. We all know what happened with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, and while you have beefed up your receiving core, you have found your running back, you got some tight ends, you added some depth to your what was a pretty good O-line, you added some, some power to what's a phenomenal defense. The biggest thing with Washington is 
they have quarterback figured out heading into this season. Yeah. And that, I think that's going to, I think that's going to elevate them. Uh, so that's Washington. Another team that won the draft and I'm not, this one, I'm not going to go too in depth to more so than just kind of touch on the first pick. Uh, it, it's, it's the Baltimore Ravens and they did what a lot of people have been calling for them to do for a while now. And that's uh that's give Lamar Jackson another wide receiver. You know, uh, they brought in Rashad Bateman, who was a stud at Minnesota, great playmaker. And uh, we saw Baltimore really struggle last year because that those lackers just when it when it was all said and done, couldn't get the job done for them. Now you bring in Rashad Bateman, who I, I think is ready to go out there and play on day one yeah. and start and be a reliable option for Lamar Jackson right then and there. So I really like that the Ravens did that. Um Obviously, I don't like it, but for the Ravens, I like it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. for the sake of Lamar Jackson, I like it. So, I, you know, they, it'll, be, and I it'll, be, it'll be nice for Willie Sneed not to be their wide receiver right. season. Yep. And I think it'll take some pressure off Hollywood as well. Yeah. They finally um, got a true X receiver, a guy that they can really rely on. So, it'll, it'll, I'm excited to see it. I think Hollywood Brown gets his, like you said, he gets his game opened up. Um, you know, Rashad Bateman should be an immediate starter and uh, an immediate piece in that offense. And then also they still got Mark Andrews over the middle. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like it a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to win in today's NFL when you can't really effectively throw it. Not that Lamar was terrible last year, but you could, you could tell that, you know, Hey, they, they might just be one wide receiver and, uh, yeah. you know, they, they could be right back up there winning the AFC North. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, the AFC North is going to be a dog fight this year. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah. But that's what I, that's all I got to say about the Ravens. I just want to touch on them quick. So, uh, how about you? What do you have? Well, speaking of the AFC North, my winner of this draft is the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, last year they showed uh, an offensive, uh, you know, uh, kind of explosion towards the end of the season with Baker playing some of the best football of his career. Obviously, you know, they had the one-two punch of, uh, of Nick Chubb and um, Kareem Hunt in the backfield, as well as, uh, you know, the, the supporting pieces around um, that Cleveland offense. However, in this, in the first two picks of this draft class, they went out and they, they kind of anchored down some of the defensive holes that they had. Greg Newsom, the cornerback from Northwestern, um, he, he brings what is going to be a, a counterpiece to – uh, Denzel Ward on the other side of the, you know, other side of the formation defensively, which will bode well for their success against some of the, you know, more, um, pa- obviously the NFL is turning to a pass heavy league. So you got to have cover corners throughout the lineup. Greg Newsom is able to bring that to a uh, Browns team who have really, I, I don't want to say struggled, but they haven't been the greatest in terms of um, that other side of the field uh, opposite of Denzel Ward um, in terms of being able to lock down, uh, you know, opposing wide receivers. And then, the, probably the, one of the biggest steals of the draft in Jeremiah Wusu koromoa um, in the second round with the 52nd pick. I mean, that – He dropped because of a heart issue, right? There was yes, something so, with his heart. So there was a um, – before the draft, they came out and were talking about the possibility of him having a heart issue. He eventually got cleared. This all came out afterward, though. Right. Eventually got cleared by doctors, but some teams were worried to kind of take a chance on him. Uh, in terms of pure talent, he's a first-round talent. Me and Matt had him uh, going in our first-round mock draft. 
I'm pretty sure. And and I think I had I think it was in the teens as well. So it wasn't For the like, Raiders. I think we had yeah. the Raiders taking them. Yeah. Um. So I think that there there's a legitimate uh you know right or I want to say case that the Browns really got two first round picks this season, uh, this draft season. So I think because of that, they're really able to anchor down a defense to complement the offensive attack that they had last season. And that's not even to mention the fact that Odo Beckham Jr. is returning offensively. So they're going to have weapons all over offense, all over the offensive side of the football. And then some guys defensively that now bring, uh, you know, a bit of more of a menacing feel to that, um, to, to opposing offenses. And then probably, I just want to touch on two other picks that I really liked from them. Um, Anthony Schwartz. He's a Anthony sp- Schwartz, dude. Beaster from all that breakaway gonna, speed. Yes, he's. I gonna, watched him win the hundred meter in the state champs. I think yeah. twenty nineteen. Yeah, he he is going to be a legitimate uh, problem for uh, opposing defenses as he whenever he gets the ball in his hands, there is a legitimate shot that he is able to just burn past everybody. If he gets a hole, he's going to score. And, yeah. And you also look at Richard Count who brings an excellent cover safety to the back end. They really beefed up their secondary, which I like a lot, uh, you know, and, and brings a opportunity for him to be a rotational piece in that back end, you know, alongside, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure they just let go of Sendejo after getting him last season. So he kind of is able to bring um, a, uh, a, depth piece, a depth piece to that defense. So I, I like what the Cleveland Browns are able to do. I think that they're, once again, uh, trending upward this season. And like Matt said, we could see this AFC North bring a bit of a, a bit of some competition down the stretch of the, uh, of the season, especially um, with the Browns and the Ravens yet again. So I'm excited to see what uh, the Browns are able to do with some of these pieces that they brought in. And I think overall it was a, it was a good draft for the AFC North. Well, the top half of the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I, once again, I really like the Anthony Schwartz pick. Um, I just love that speed and, yeah. uh, you know, watching him at Auburn and watching him back in high school running track and field. I mean, that's just it, – it's incredible to see his him reach his goals and his journey. Uh, and he finds himself in a pretty good situation too in what once was the laughing stock of the league, now one of the most prime yeah. destinations yeah. in Cleveland. Not to also mention that Cleveland secondary – it's going to take a huge step forward this season. Yes. Like you said, the addition of Greg Newsome plus John Johnson in free agency. Yeah. Uh, and then that, also Richard that defense. to go yeah. alongside them. Yeah. Right. That defense this year, that Browns defense, I mean, it's just incredible how much better some of these teams got. And the yeah. Browns are one yeah. of those teams. Like, and yeah. the Browns are also one of those teams that got miles better. And this yeah. is a team that went 11 and five last year. This is a Very team that was a series or yeah, a possession away from beating the chiefs in the playoffs in Arizona. Yeah, A helmet. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, uh, I mean, they're, they are, they are AFC contenders this year. They yeah. Super Bowl contenders. Let's mark yeah. it down right now. Did, did Matt just say the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl? Super Bowl contenders. The, did Matt just put the Cleveland Browns as the Super Bowl champions for 2021? Contenders. <laughs> it's going to be a he, Cleveland he, versus Washington Super Bowl. He did it again, folks. Last year it was the Detroit Lions. This year it's the Cleveland Browns. Yep. And the Browns are a lot more realistic, though. Yes, they are. And I, I didn't pick the Lions to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not picking the Lions to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> this year, though, maybe uh, – with uh, Dan uh, Campbell and Brad Holmes like yeah. hugging listen, each other, so much listen, energy. There's been a yes. culture change in Detroit. Listen, listen. My other team, my other winner, 
is the Detroit Lions. Simply, oh, yeah. Let's simply go. because of the first pick that they made. Panay Sewell is a if, – if Dan Campbell could create an offensive lineman in a lab, Panay Sewell would, would be the person that walks out of that lab. He is, like Dan Campbell said, he's nasty. He's aggressive. He is able to just put players in the dirt, and I think it's with such consistency that he, his monstrous figure on that offensive line is really going to play dividends for a team that is going to look to bite people's kneecaps off with consistency. I think it's going to be a wonderful marriage. They were able to bring in someone that they viewed as probably one of the top players of this entire draft. I'm sold that if the, if the Detroit Lions were sitting at the second overall pick, they'd have taken Pinay Sewell because of, he is someone that they want to build that culture around. They want to build this, uh, this, this, this franchise in terms of what they're trying to uh, elevate it to of being just a blue collar, lunch pail, uh, kind of just, in, you know, just ma- of maulers. Panay Sewell is an excellent pick for that at 6'6", 325. And then you got Dan Campbell sitting over here giving us yet another wonderful soundbite. You got the GM slamming his hands on yeah. the table. They were electric in that draft, uh, in that war room. And they showed it with this, the excitement that they're bringing to the city of Detroit, which I feel like it's been quite some time since any type of emotion was shown from a Detroit uh, standpoint, because obviously I feel like Jim Caldwell never showed any emotion. And then Pat, uh, Matt Patricia didn't show any either. So, you know, you got, you got two guys that are just balls of energy, you know, battling it out with each other, but then also looking to take this Detroit Lions team to the top. And boy, I, I don't even care about the rest of the draft. That alone puts them atop one of my winners because they got their guy at the seventh pick. They stayed patient, waited it out, and they ended up getting better as a result. So, Jerry. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think they got quietly better in the later rounds as well. Um, yeah. oh, I think a lot of people were looking for them to go re- uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in the later rounds. I think he's got potential to be a decent wide receiver. He'll have to take some time to develop, but uh, they needed someone there because I couldn't tell you who's on that Lions receiving core right now with Kenny Galladay and, and Marvin Jones leaving. Uh, I, maybe Marvin Hall's still there, but I, I don't think they have much. And uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, can come in and make an impact for them. And, uh, you know, we'll add another weapon to Jared Goff's disposal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the Lions had a great draft. And the fact that, you know, Penny Sewell was able to fall to them, granted it yeah. was only pick seven, but the fact but that that's he a was fall there, for him. Right. That's a fall for him. Right. I mean, he was supposed to go five. five talent. Yeah. He was supposed to go. And now I'm a little shocked that the Bengals went the Jamar Chase route. I, I understand mean, it. I understand too. But, man, I just, I don't know. Joe Burrow needs that protection. I mean, yeah. it's going to be an issue till it's not. And, yep. You know, and they didn't address it, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, yeah, the Lions, the Lions did uh, a, a phenomenal job, I yeah. think. So I agree. Uh, good, good call on that one. We I have to like, give our guy Dan Campbell a shout out. Absolutely, he Dan Campbell might be our uh, replacement for um, Bill Gates. Sponsored by Dan Campbell. Yeah, I will. I will sponsored send. By, him. Sponsored by Motor City. I will send an email to like Dan Campbell's people like every day for a year till we land an interview with them. That'd be Should fun. I do it? Imagine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least try. That'd be funny. But I like how what you say about Amon Ross St. Brown. I think 
you know, he, he adds to a receiving core that currently is made up of Tyra Williams, Rashad Perriman, and Quintez Cephas. So there, there is, there's very minimal. Uh, Say that again. Tyrell Williams. Okay, they, Tyrell Williams is Rash- like solid. Rashad Perryman and Quintez Cephas. Okay, so it, honestly, it's like it's actually, and I'm not. I don't. I need to choose my wording right here because I don't want to say something stupid. But Tyrell Williams and Rashad Perryman, it's at least like better than what I thought it was gonna be. Uh, and now you add Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman aren't studs, but they're not no names. They're not entirely no names, you know? Like, yeah. Um, I but think, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a troublesome core. It's a troublesome core. That's, it, it is what yes, it is. I, I like that. It is a troublesome core. Yeah. They still need that number one. However, Detroit, congratulations. You got your yeah. kneecap biter and uh, Panay Sewell and ready to get to work. Yeah, 100%. Uh, okay. So, all right. Who's a loser lo- of yours? Loser's time. Uh, I, I feel like as long as this show goes on, this might be a yearly occurrence, but the Las Vegas Raiders yes! are losers. They went, <laughs> they went to the Bellagio. They sat themselves down at the slot machine and they lost themselves quite a bit of money. Uh, you know, they rolled in with <laughs> 300K. They walked out with like negative four cents. So, uh, and the reason for that is they reached, you know, they, uh, they they just aren't aware of the fact that, you know, the previous turn on the slot machine doesn't dictate the next turn. And <laughs> the gambler's fallacy. They, they <laughs> thought, Oh, I didn't get it last time, but I'm going to get it this time. They slim the machine. They end up, Oh, we reached again. And everyone's making fun of us on Twitter. Yeah. The gambler's so, fallacy will get you at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, as the Raiders continue to, uh, move into their home in Vegas. I think that's something that we will continue to see from them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's not like, I mean, you know, an offensive lineman from Alabama, hey, I, that's a guy that's always going to have potential, but did they reach as the question? And yeah. not to mention, like, I don't think they made awful picks. Obviously, we both spoke very highly of Trevon Morig. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great addition for them, but they also drafted two other safeties after that. Like, why? Yeah. Why? I mean, you got you got Jonathan Abrams there already. Yeah. Now you pair yeah. him up with Trevon Moore. What are these other two safeties going to do? Cheer him on from the bench. Hey, good job, guys. Maybe maybe they're looking for the rotation. Maybe they're looking yeah. for like a, just a, a platoon of safeties that they can inter- interchangeable, so they can just in and out. But yeah, I think there's. I have never have any idea what the Raiders are doing during draft season. Them just being just comically uh, inconsistent in terms of just going out and. Uh, getting players that are good however they're just like what like what what are you doing like what is how does this make any sense obviously the Trevor Moore I got 43 is huge because he was supposed to be picked in the first round yeah or like Matt said you, you go out and you get two more defensive backs one of which labeled as he can do both but he plays safety the other is strictly a safety so like it just doesn't I, I'm confused about it and then the fact that Mike Mayock wants to wants to kind of double down and say like all oh, these draft experts have no idea what they're talking about. Mike Mayock was a draft expert. He was like he yeah. bashing his own kind and he is not like I just don't understand it. They just they, so, they when, when the Raiders drafted him, I thought they were going to be in good hands. Yeah. And two we've we've had what when two they, drafts him now and 
It has been two drafts now. How when yeah. did he get hired? I think he got hired before the last year's draft, or maybe it, uh, how many dra- I don't know how many drafts he's done now. He's done at least two. I can't even remember. He he was there. He's the one that brought in uh, Antonio Brown. Okay, so that was before the 2019 season. Yeah, so he's been there since then. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he just hasn't really had that yeah, one dude. draft yet. He's just – it's just been so bad. And then for him to come out and say, like, oh, I believe we got exponentially better this year just boggles my mind. Like, I don't know. I agree. Raiders, no. And not to mention – they took four defensive backs overall. Literally. I mean, they, they made two offensive they took, Listen, backs. listen. Two, two offensive linemen. Yep. Four defensive backs and one DN. Yep. It's just, yeah. It's, it's where is the, I don't, never mind. It is, I don't understand. How long until John Gruden's 10-year contract's up? Uh, probably like eight more years. No, he's been there for longer than that. He's been there since John Gruden. Yeah, I thought he's only been two. No, he's been there longer. He's been there since the draft picks. He's been there since 2018, so he has like six years left. This is Raiders fans. Oh yeah, when they see their draft picks. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, yeah, it, it's just it's a confusing. Um, I don't know. John Gruden, Mike Mayock ranked as NFL's worst drafting GM. And that was two weeks ago before they drafted. So, like. That's a tough scene, as our friend Barry would say. Yeah, that's very tough scene. So, I think I'm not even going to give my other loser because I feel so passionate about this Raiders squad that Matt and I are having a joint loser here. Yeah, we could just stick with this and then move on. Oh, gosh. That was terrible. And then. So that was one of my losers. Do you want to give your other loser? Or, or can we just both make fun of the Texans as well and then move on? Yeah, let's clown on the Texans. Bill O'Brien's gone, but the just complete idiocy in the Texans' offensive, you know, or not offensive, in the Texans' uh, front office remains. So still looms large. You no, know, I was I, I was pounding the table, even though I'm a Jacks fan. So I don't know why I was so passionate about the Texans not having Bill O'Brien. But I was kind of pounding the table for Bill O'Brien to be relieved of his, relieved of his duties as a, uh, you know, as a as the head coach because of what he didn't bring to the table. And that's in terms of just being a terrible man, or roster manager. He, he just could not put it together. And then what we, what we see is we go out and we look at the – this year's draft, they don't have a pick until the third round, all right? So they're kind of already in a hole, especially with the number of weaknesses that they have. And then what they do after signing Tyrod Taylor, who was supposed to be the guy in, you know, to, to back up Deshaun Watson because – or really probably play for Deshaun Watson, which we're not going to get into that. But oh. the unlikely shot that Deshaun Watson uh, is able to step on the field this year. They go out and draft David Mills – as their first overall pick. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I, I think Davis Mills is good. I think he's got a high ceiling. We've talked about him on the show. We actually looked at uh, fan graphs maybe, or we looked at some type of chart that projected Davis Mills to have a better overall career than Mac Jones. And yeah. I, I like Davis Mills. I like the tape. I don't understand it for the Texans. 
Yeah, it, it was just like a, what are we doing? Right. We are, they're just falling apart. I, I, I genuinely think that they, I, I don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They, they have no yeah. idea. And Texans and, fans are and Texans fans are mad because they have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, bamboozled left astray, run amok, and flat out <laughs> deceived. It is it, it has been a problem for their organization to get things right. And even in a new regime, one that I might add was not a desirable destination for any you know uh, head coach looking to oh well assistant coach looking to take that next step as a head coach. Houston brought in, you know, the pieces that they thought could possibly turn it around and they've already gotten off to a slow start. And yeah. I don't think you can get much slower of a start than David Mills as your, as your pick. When, when this team, even with the remarkable athletic ability that shot Deshaun Watson brings to the table last season, was garbage like I Jaguars like I'm a Jags fan yes I know one in 15 yeah whatever but this Texans team compared to what they were supposed to be and what they were and then after losing Will Fuller you decide that you were going to take a quarterback yep that GM is as Stephen A. Smith would say on crack Nick Casario yeah yeah well it's a problem but yeah very tough Tough scene oh, for tough gosh. tough scene for Nick. Tough scene for Nick. Tough scene for yeah, Nick. Texans and Raiders are both on our loser list because of yep. incompetency, and yep. I'm very passionate about it. Obviously, I didn't show this type of passion for the winners because, like, that's no fun. You want to you want to point out the losers. However, we expected the Raiders to. Yeah. We we expected the Raiders to reach in some type of way. Honestly, I expected the Texans to like. Just there's a new regime in town. I expected them to kind of not be as I don't know. I don't know why I why I expect like things of like the Texans right now or even, you know, the Yeah, we gotta we gotta stop a, doing that. Gosh. I, every year I'm projecting the Texans to go like four and twelve. Or four and thirteen. How on. Until I see it otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. No, maybe even three and fourteen. Hmm. Dang. Do we kick off the 17 game schedule with an 0 17 team? Dude, I mean, seriously, does that roster win a game if Deshaun Watson doesn't play for them this year? If Tyrod plays, yeah. You but think they win a couple? Tyrod's lung is punctured by the team doctor and David Mills, Davis Mills has to step in? Heck no. Heck. Yeah. Because I look, I think, I think down the line, and it, it's tough because Davis Mills' career might actually already be down the drain. Yeah, if a, if a, if a if a different situation had brought him in, I would have I would have advocated for the Patriots to bring him in. I I wouldn't like if the Patriots had went like, uh, what, what's his name? If the Patriots went Zayvon Collins in the first round and then Davis Mills down the line, I would have been like, heck yeah, let's have a draft. You know, like I yeah. I, I think of Davis Mills like that, but to the Texans and that dumpster fire organization. He's never going to see the field, and when he probably gets thrown under the fire this season, he's going to be perceived as how kind of Jags fans perceived Jake Luton last year. I feel like. Oh my god! You no, know? and it's it's and it sucks for Jake Mike Luton. You know? It sucks for Jake Luton. That's because, what they need to do. They need to. Br- Where's Glennon now? Yeah, the Texans need to bring in Mike. Oh, he's on the Giants, I think. Oh, oh, so he's. I believe. Any dimes? Gotcha. Yeah. 
Uh, Anyways, so I, I think we should kind of lightning round these last few segments and then yes. kind of wrap up. I agree. So uh, uh, biggest steal, just real quick, who's your biggest steal? Biggest steal. Um, so, that, so this is where I started not to have much time. However, I do think, you know, uh, we talked about it a bit, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa in the second round to the Browns, the first round talent that's going to a team that really needed that linebacker to replace Joe Sherbert. Obviously, he's not going to be that middle linebacker. He's going to be more of a weak side guy considering his athleticism and then the ability to play down towards line of scrimmage, his physicality when doing so um, at the point of attack. However, um, outside of him, I'd probably say Stone Forsyth. He's played at Florida. Um, big offensive tackle, 6'8", 300, uh, I think like 20 pounds. I can't exactly remember. However, he, he's going to bring a monstrous presence to the left side of that Seahawks offensive front. He's going to be able to learn behind Dwayne Brown for a few years, and then he's going to also – be able to kind of protect Russell Wilson in what was a bit of a um, off-season saga between the both sides in terms of Russell wanting more protection and more say in what, you know, the Seattle's able to bring in. They bring in that presence of Stone Forsyth who has shown drastic improvement and didn't allow a sack uh, against the teams like Georgia and Alabama in 2020. Um, and then also only allowed two in like 500-plus yeah. uh, pass-blocking snaps on the season. So Stone Forsyth to Seattle is – probably my biggest steal in terms of they're getting a uh, starting caliber offensive tackle in the sixth round, um, you know, or I, I don't want to say starting caliber right now, a future starting caliber yeah. offensive tackle. I'm going to give a general steal and a bias steal. Okay. My general steal is Rashawn Slater. Okay. To the Chargers. Yes. Yes. Uh, that, sat, waited very that might be the pick of the draft, honestly, because yeah. the biggest key for the Chargers was you signed Corey Lindsley in the off season, but never satisfied, continue to give Justin Herbert protection. They brought in the second-best offensive lineman in the draft, and their offensive line is looking ready to go for Herbert next year as they yeah. look to maybe compete with the Chiefs for that division. We will see. Uh, my bias steal is Christian Barmore. The first interior defensive lineman of the draft fell all yeah. the way to like 38 or 36, I believe it was, whenever we traded up and got him. And I was a guy who's projected to go first round. And, yeah. I, you know, earlier in the year, I saw some mock drafts where the Patriots would have taken him at 15, you know, getting him at 38. So, uh, and just his talent and what he brings to the table, uh, that has the potential to be a huge steal. Plus, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you know what I have to say about Bama quarterbacks and how I feel about them. Every other Alabama position that makes it to the NFL, they usually do some work. Yeah. So that's my bias deal. Yeah. I think, I think those are good. I like, I like both of those. Um, what I was laughing at, um, I started to, you know, kind of just check out some things um, here. Uh, dang it. What was it? Where'd it go? Actually, I don't know anymore. That's tough. But yeah, I kind of chuckled when Matt first said uh, Barmore, but it wasn't because of, it wasn't because of Barmore. It was it was something else. I was like, oh, that's funny, but now I forget. So you're gonna you're gonna share with the class. Yeah, I was gonna share <laughs> with the class, but now I forget. So it is what it is. Um, dang it, that's kind of unfortunate. Oh, well, good. I think um, what I do want to ask as our final question of the day is Matt. We're looking at you know some some of these picks. Some are head scratchers. Yeah. You know, some are like, whoa, like, what are they doing here? Outside of the, the, the picks of, you know, Alex Leatherwood, who, who is going to be solid or Davis Mills 
which we both already talked about. What was the most questionable pick by an NFL franchise during the 2021 NFL draft? Top of my head. Top of your head. Hmm. Just, what, you just kind of looked and you said, what are they doing? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't really take much time to think about this one. Um, well, what direction were you going to go with yours? I was going to go with Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston for the okay. Saints in the first round. Because I feel like there were better edge players available at that point. And here again, we just look at Sean Payton kind of trying to outsmart everybody. You know what I mean? Right. It was like a, it was like a, okay, like, yeah, he's all, he's solid, but like, you got, you got this Ojolari still on the table and you got, you got some guys that can really, they can bring some things. And then on top of that, you're like, dude, you have Cam Jordan. What, like, what is happening here? Obviously he'll probably play alongside Cam Jordan, but like, I don't know. I just thought it was a – I thought the Saints had a different directions that they could go, and they just neglected it. And they were just like, no, we're just going to go with uh, Peyton Turner. He looks – yeah. he has the same name of our head coach. It's, 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 you know, it's close enough. Let's go. Let's yeah. Turn in. Okay. Interesting take. I think I'll go with Eric Stokes. Okay. Right. Um, just like because – just because, like, you know, for the second year in a row, it was like, is Green Bay going to draft a receiver in the first round? And they didn't. No, no. So, no, I, and I don't – I'm no. not going to talk trash about Stokes as a player. He had a great 40 time. He looks like – and, you know, I know you've talked highly about some of these Georgia cornerbacks before. Yeah. Um, it, and it's not it's not anything against Stokes. It's just more so, like, why is Green Bay continuing to just not draft a receiver in the first they round? They don't care. They don't. I will say, though. I'm impressed that they are going to keep a, an A Rogers on the team this season. That's right. I saw you replied to Brooks with that. That was funny. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So it is. It you know obviously they just continue to to you know overlook one of the best quarterbacks to ever step on the field and probably their best quarterback that they've ever had. And that's saying something considering how Green Bay has kind of circulated the quarterback position. Uh, for you know, dating back to Super Bowl one. However, it is a it's not it's not looking great if you're you know you're in Green Bay right now with the organization and everything like that. So uh, I think uh, we might need to see the, the the city committee of Green Bay kind of step in and be like, hey, like uh, we got Aaron, he wants out. Um, you got to figure this out, or you're kind of yeah. Here. So, and I I think uh, I think that's a good place to kind of halt it for today and on a yeah. future show we dive into the Aaron Rodgers yeah. wanting yeah. out controversy and, yeah. and that whole relationship and uh you know Jeopardy could end up being the biggest winner of the draft yeah absolutely and you know what I want to say is hey Brooks he's leaving he's not staying <laughs> oh wow he's gone. so Brandon okay. is commencing the beef on Sunshine State takes high drama high intensity <laughs> We will be back on the next episode of Sunshine State Takes to discuss. And maybe we even get Brooks on the show. Hey, that'd be fine. That'd be fine with me. Let's see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So We'll see. Brooks Brazo comes on to discuss Aaron Rodgers' future as a Green Bay Packer. Yeah. Sorry, I sound like first take a little bit in here. Yeah. Brooks Brazo comes on to <laughs> discuss Aaron Rodgers' uh, dim future. We have to make it like, yeah. <laughs> uh, lack of a future. We should put lack of in, in – parentheses because i don't think there's much of a future left we'll see what happens but uh unless you have any best things 
Nah, I, I've seen nothing good today. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be a long day uh, for me, so uh, just looking to get it over with. But Yeah, you know, it's good. It'll be whatever. We'll be back to you on Thursday or whenever, Friday. We'll see what happens, but uh, we will be making a guest appearance on our uh, good friend Stephen Aprobato's podcast, the RNA podcast. I think that should be happening Wednesday, so keep an eye out for that. Our first official interview, so that'll be cool. I'm excited for that. Um, you know, we've been doing our thing for so long, it'll be cool to kind of do a little partner up with someone else. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I think venture into that, so keep an eye out for that, and uh, so we'll be there Wednesday, but in terms of the next Sunshine State Takes edition, Thursday or Friday. Awesome. Yep. All right. See. You guys, uh, you guys have a good one. Uh, I hope you, everyone enjoyed draft weekend. It was, it was an exciting bunch. Obviously, if you're a Raiders or Texans fan right now, you're probably not too happy with us. However, just, you should probably just uh, find a new team because obviously the draft doesn't look like a very viable spot for your team to get better. So. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, but enjoy the season, Texans and Raiders fans. Yeah. Uh, the next time we probably talk about them is when we dive into our – and, you know, it's actually – it's probably around this time last year we started doing our divisional previews right after the draft ended. Well, I guess we got to wait for the schedule release first. Yeah. But once the schedule release happens, it's time to get into some of those divisional previews again. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into them, and we will tear apart, uh, you know, your favorite teams. So Yeah, we'll tell it how it is. Yeah. All right, guys. And I'm not giving any – not one team is getting away with one win this year. Because I did that last year, not happening again. Every team's getting at least two – or not one win. I meant one loss. Every team's getting at least two losses. Just, okay. You know? Why? Yeah. yeah. They, they, no facts. They, yeah. It's, it's happening. Maybe even – no. We'll, we'll stick it to. Actually, no. It's 17 games. We're going three. Every team – Every team loses at least three games? Yep. I think that's realistic because of the adjustment – It'll have to be made and, uh, you know, no preseason last year, you know, kind of having to revert back to the normal schedule, you know, and it it is a true thing. I think like you look at baseball last year, 60 game season this year, they go back into spring training, the full thing. Offenses have been a little slow to start the year. I I mean, I just think it's going to be something like that. I think last year was a little unconventional season back to basics this year. And, you know, while it's basics, you still have to adjust. So, I think it's going to be interesting to see. But yep. uh, all right. That's all we got. We'll see you guys next time. See y'all next time. Enjoy. Uh, well, I guess draft's over. So enjoy life. Yeah. <laughs>